here. Well, grab your Bibles and turn with me to Romans chapter 5. I think uh, we're often used to hearing Luke chapter 2 or Matthew 1 or 2, and, and I want you to turn to Romans 5. This is where we've been for Advent, and when you're there, I want you to go ahead and stand with me uh, for the reading of Scripture. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Paul writes this, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through Him. We have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. This is God's word. You may be seated. Now, kids, if you're wondering how long is this guy going to take up here, look at the back wall. You'll see a timer there. I have 10 minutes and 31, 30, 29, 28. You get the point. Ready? So, Advent. We are in the season of Advent, and it comes to an end. We just read that a few moments ago. Advent is a word that just literally means the arrival of an important person. And so we know the arrival of that person that we're celebrating is Jesus, right? On his first advent, he arrived in Bethlehem in a manger, and we wait for that. And as we said in our liturgy right at the top of this, at midnight tonight, advent ends because the waiting is over, right? The time of our celebration has come, and we are are entering into Christmas Day, remember the birth of our Savior. But there's something about Christmas season, right? It it builds anticipation. It seems like all around the world, Everybody from Thanksgiving on, there's this real sense of anticipation that happens, whether you're a Christian or not, just something in the air, right? There's something interesting about Christmas where that happens, and it's building the sense of hope. Something's coming. Something's coming. That's a really good thing for us to feel. That's one of the reasons I wanted to look at Romans chapter 5, because hope is, Paul is all about hope in this section. In, in five verses, he, he mentions hope three times, right, as part of the work of Christ, of what Christ has done in coming. The, the advent of Christ has brought with him hope. The advent of Christ has brought with him all kinds of things, as we'll see this morning. And what we've been looking at in Romans uh, chapter 5 is this is what happens when Jesus came, right? What we receive from Jesus' coming is monumental. There are gifts you and I are going to open tomorrow morning that by next year we'll forget. By next year we'll be worn out. By next year will be last year's news. But the gifts that Paul mentions here in Romans chapter 5 because of Christ's coming are gifts that literally will last into eternity. They will never expire, right? And I just want to look at these with you and sort of briefly review. So we started off and Paul says in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, he says, therefore, since we've been justified by faith, this great doctrine called justification, which simply means how it is that you are counted righteous before God. What are you looking to, to make yourself righteous in God's eyes? The New Testament, the Bible is going to say there's only one way to do that, and it's through faith in Jesus. So Paul says, here's the gift. When you have received this, when you have been counted righteous through your faith in Jesus, not in your own work, not in what you've done, not in how good you've been, but through faith in Jesus, then he says there's all kinds of things that start spilling over into your life. And that's what he does in these verses. 
And he says, so he, he says there's a few things. Number one, he says, since therefore you've been justified by faith, you have, what's the first thing? Peace with God, right? That is, you are no longer an enemy and you're more than just somebody that God says, I'll call a truce, right? Before we were justified, before I put my faith in Jesus, the Bible says I was an enemy of God. I, I stood in a position of being against him and him against me. But now because of Jesus and my faith in Jesus, that has that wall of hostility has fallen down and now there is peace with God. This is more than just a truce. This is more than just, Chris, you stay on your side and I'll stay on my side and we just won't volley things at each other. No, it's you're now a friend. You're now family. I now love you. I don't just tolerate you. I love you. We have peace with God. But the second thing he says is that we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand, right? So now because I have put my faith in Jesus, I now have access by faith into grace. And he says, I stand in this grace. The idea there is that this is now my new spiritual zip code. This is now the place that I live. This is the bubble in which I operate. My entire life is one of grace, grace being poured out to me. I'm no longer, Paul, is going to say, a slave. I'm no longer under law. I'm under grace. I remember when I was in seminary, um, I, I, had, I had children and you know, I had, a little baby was born during, my, my youngest, Gracie, was born during seminary and I had a job as a lawyer and I was trying to get through seminary. And I remember somebody said to me one day, how are you doing this? And I said, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, the only thing I can think is that I'm living in a bubble of God's grace. Now, I think that's true, but let me just tell, let me correct Chris from 25 years ago. I wasn't just living in a bubble of grace then. I'm living in a bubble of grace now, and that's not because I lived a charmed life. It's because this is the life of a believer in Jesus. You live in grace. But he says there's more, right? And Brian talked about it last week. He says not only that, we, it, we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Now what in the world? Brian did such a great job of unpacking that. But let me just say this. There's this idea of the glory of God is a, is a term rich in the Bible. It's all over the place. And it's this idea, there's this place in Malachi that says that the, that the earth one day will be full of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Now just imagine this. Imagine that there's coming a day when the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. Politics filled with the glory of God. Partisanship gone. Wars gone. All of that. And he says, Paul says, what we do is we rejoice in hope of that glory, right? That someday that kind of glory is going to be ours. And then Paul says something astonishing. Did you see it here? Look at, look at chapter 5 and verse 3. He says, not only that, we re he, said we just, he just said we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And that makes a whole lot of sense. Yep, I can't wait for that day. I rejoice in that. But then he says, with a straight face, we rejoice in our sufferings. Now, who does that? Right? Who rejoices in suffering? Now, Paul's going to unpack that. And if you want to come back next week, I will spend longer than 10 minutes on this passage. But hear me. Paul says that this is what happens for people who have put their faith in Jesus, have been justified by God through Christ Jesus, that we now rejoice. And by the way, that word rejoice could literally be translated boasts. 
You boast in hope of the glory of God. You boast in your suffering. Brag about it. Now, this is amazing. Paul says, this is our reality. How does that happen? Well, we, we, we boast in, in the fact that, that we have received this glory of God, but we boast in our sufferings. Now, boasting can be, of course, a negative thing. We all know that boasting can be prideful. It can be all about what I've done and my accomplishments. And let me, let me show you on Instagram what I ate for dinner last night. I'm boasting to you. I want you to be jealous of me because I'm so good or whatever it is, right? But this is not the kind of boasting that Paul's saying because it's nothing to do with Paul. It has nothing to do with us. It's the kind of boasting that would be like, let's say I'm drowning in the ocean and, and Steve Dobransky, who always wins athletic events in, in our staff games, comes over and rescues me out of the ocean. And you're like, what happened? And I'm sitting there panting and coughing up water. Finally, I can talk and I say, Steve rescued me. You can't believe it. He swam out there. He grabbed me, pulled me to shore. And I'm alive because of Steve. What am I doing? I'm boasting. I'm boasting in Steve, not in me. I'm boasting in what he's done. This is what Paul's saying. Paul's saying, man, we, we boast in a one who sustained us, right? Some of you have had a really rough 2023. Some of you are still having a rough 2023. And if I were to say, what's gotten you through? Well, there'd be a lot of answers, but some of you might say something like this. I had this friend or I had this growth group or I had this church there's this community of people that have surrounded me. What are you doing? I'm boasting in the people that have helped me, right, along the way. When Paul says we boast in our suffering, we're boasting in the fact there's this one, there's this grace in which I stand that is giving me the power to be able to walk through my suffering. But I think it's more than that. Paul's going to go on to say it's because when in the life of the Christian, we boast in suffering because our suffering is productive suffering, always. Do you know this, Christian? If you've put your faith in Jesus, if you've been justified, you're counted righteous, then there is nothing that has come to you that is not productive in your life. This is an amazing reality, right? So, so, I mean, you, you can have two people standing side by side, right, going through the same circumstance, and one is a believer and one is not, and one feels like this one who's not a believer says, I have, there is no meaning behind my suffering, and the one who is a believer says, there is meaning. God is doing something through this suffering. It's like the difference between the labor and delivery ward and the cancer ward or the orthopedic ward where somebody just snapped a femur, right? There's screaming coming from both locations. One is productive, one is just pain. And God says, in the life of a believer, you're, you're never, your suffering is never in vain. You know why? Because we worship today and every day of the year a Savior who suffered. Suffered more than anybody. Left the perfection of heaven. None of us can say we left the perfection of anywhere. He left a place that, is, that eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the mind of men. The kind of place that Jesus gave up to come and walk among us and live his life among us and die among us. Every day of his life was suffering in that regard. And his suffering was the most productive suffering in the world because if you have been justified with Christ, by Christ, through faith in Christ, you're here because of his suffering. There is no such thing as meaningless suffering. Let's pray. Father.
Thank you. Thank you for Christmas. Thank you for this reminder of what you have done for us and in us. And I just pray. I pray right now for my friends in this room. Lord, there, there are those who have been justified through faith in Jesus Christ. There are those who are seeking to be justified through other means, through their good works, through obedience to some sort of external form. May today be a day when they throw themselves upon the mercy of God and realize their desperate need for a Savior who can, the only one that can save them from their sins because he suffered and died for them. And so, Lord, we love you and we thank you and we praise you for Christmas and we thank you for all that has come to us because of Christmas. And we ask all this in the name of your son, Jesus. And everybody said, amen.